Hallelujah, hallelujah. Acts chapter 17. We're going to read just, we're going to read a story here as our, as our text for today's Bible study. Acts chapter 17, verse 16. Great to have Sister Ashley home from Indiana Bible College. We love her so much here and are thankful for the past couple of semesters that she was able to invest her life into learning more uh, about the Word of God at Indiana Bible College and also uh, to, to continue to sharpen the, the skills and the giftings that God has given to her for His glory. Acts chapter 17, verse 16. Now, while Paul waited for them at Athens, his spirit was stirred in him. He was, he was troubled. Uh, this was a result of when he saw that the whole city, the whole population was completely given to idolatry or the worship of false gods, of idols. Therefore, he disputed both in the synagogue with the Jews and with the devout persons and in the market daily with them that met with him. So he, he, he said, I, I'm not just going to sit back and just be upset about what I see. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk to people. I, I'm going to show them a, a better way. And he said, I'm going to go to the synagogues where the Jews are. I'm going to go in the marketplace where the Gentiles are. The Bible says, verse 18, then there were certain philosophers of the Epicureans and of the Stoics that encountered or met Paul. And some said, what will this babbler say? (laughs) What will this babbler say? Others said, He seems to be a setter forth of strange gods because he preached unto them Jesus and the resurrection, which was always included in the messages preached in the book of Acts. They were always talking about Jesus and how he had raised from the dead. Verse 19, and they took Paul and they brought him unto Areopagus, Areopagus, saying, May we know what this new doctrine whereof thou speakest is. Tell us about it. For thou bringest certain strange things to our ears. We would know, therefore, what these things mean. For all the Athenians and strangers which were there spent their time in nothing else but either to tell or to hear some new thing. That's all they did is they just took time to muse in their hearts, to to talk about, to consider, to dialogue about the new things. Uh, What what new thing is out there? Uh, What's what's cutting edge? And they would just spend their time doing this. And they, they said, all right, Paul, you tell us, what's this new thing that you've got? Verse 22, then Paul stood in the middle of Mars Hill and said, you men of Athens... I perceive that in all things you are too superstitious. For as I passed by and beheld your devotions, I found that there was an altar with this inscription on it, to the unknown God, whom therefore you ignorantly worship, him declare I unto you, God that made the world and all things therein, seeing that he is Lord of heaven and earth, dwells not in temples, made with hands, neither is worshipped with men's hands, as though he needed anything, seeing he giveth to all life and breath and all things, 
and hath made of one blood all nations of men for to dwell on all the face of the earth and hath determined the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitations. This God that you ignorantly worship, he is the creator. He's the one that made all these things. Verse 27, he, he encourages them. He challenges them. You should seek the Lord. Seek him. If haply you might feel after him and find him. Why? Because he's not far from any one of you. For in him we live, we move, we have our being, as certain also of your own poets have said. He was familiar with their poetry or their poets. He said, even, even your own writers have said things like this. We are also his offspring. For as much then as we are his offspring, the offspring of God, we ought not to think of the Godhead like silver or gold, stone, graven by art and man's devices. And the times of this ignorance God winked at, but now commands all men everywhere to repent, because he hath appointed a day in the which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained, whereof he hath given assurance unto all men, in that he hath raised him. Who's he talking about? Jesus. He raised Jesus from the dead, and when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked, but others said, we'll hear you again about this. So Paul departed from among them, howbeit certain men clave unto him and believed among the which was Dionysus, the Areopagite, and the woman named Damaris, and others with them. Huh. I, I find it interesting that here's the great apostle. He is, he's teaching, he's preaching, and he didn't convince them all. <laughs> I kind of take encouragement. I'm not, you know, I, my job is, you know, I, I can't make myself feel like a failure if I don't convince everybody. Paul couldn't do it. Jesus, even, we find he had 12, and one of them decided to turn him in and trade him in and exchange him for 30 pieces of silver. But nonetheless, it doesn't stop us from declaring who God is. And that is what I feel like I need to do here today. That's my job. That's my assignment, is to declare who God is. Let us pray. Lord, we love you. Thank you so much for this time that we have together. I pray that you will lead and guide us by your spirit, even right now. Help me to follow the leading of your spirit. Help me to declare the full counsel of God for this moment, for this service, for this people. I pray, O oh Lord, that I will speak to a people that have an ear to hear what the spirit will say to the church. And Lord, a heart that's ready to receive it and hands ready to apply. Lord, that we will walk out of this service changed. Lord, by the ministry of your spirit and the ministry of your word, we pray in Jesus' name and everybody say amen. 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 God bless you. You may be seated. I want to know the Lord. I want to know the Lord. I'm thankful, amen, to serve the Lord God of heaven and earth. I believe that there is only one God, and I'm so thankful to, to know his name. His name is Jesus. This is foundational to our faith, to understand who God is, to understand what God is to understand his revelation to us of himself. We find in Deuteronomy chapter 6 what is known and regarded very reverently by the Jews as the Shema. Shema, Israel, Adonai, Echenu, Elakad. It means, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. This is on the doorpost. This is in the homes of every Orthodox Jew because they believe that this is the most important command of scripture and that's old testament 
But we find in the New Testament that Jesus reaffirms this identity of God. He says the greatest commandment is found in Deuteronomy 6 verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. He's one Lord. But what is God, right? What, what is God? We find that more than any other attribute, the Bible emphatically tells us and declares that God is holy. Holy, holy, holy. Says this in Isaiah chapter 6 and verse 4. We see this heavenly vision where the angels are before the throne of God in the presence of the Lord. And one cried to another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is filled with his glory. Isaiah sees it, but then John the revelator also sees it in Revelation 4 verse 8 that there were four beasts and each of them had six wings. Two, they covered their eyes. And two, they flew. And two, they covered their feet. And both night and day, and day and night, they would cry to one another, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. Yes, God is love. Yes, God is light. Yes, God is true. He is mighty. He is merciful. But among many other things, there is nothing else in Scripture more pronounced than the holiness of God. God is holy. But what does that even mean? What does it mean that God is holy? We know we're humans. The Bible talks about creatures and creeping things. I know that our kids' church crew was here last night. They spotted a few creeping things, spiders and snakes and deer. There's beasts of the field, there's cattle, there's fish of the sea, there's fowl of the air. But what is God? These all have these categories, even plants and trees. We find they are in categories, but what is God? God is holy. What does holy mean? Holy we could take it as a lot of things, but really in the most simplest of sense, holy is other. That's, that's kind of what it means. It's just other. Like we know that we're people and these are animals and these are creatures, but God, what is God? God is others. There, there's even a form of categorization for stars and sun and moon and the wind and the rain. There's all of these categories, but all of these, God does not fit in any of them. God is other. God is Holy. He is unlike any of these things. This is why at the mountain that quaked and was covered with smoke and fire, Mount Sinai, when God gave the law, he said, make sure that you never make a graven image to represent me. For nothing, nothing, I can be compared to nothing at all. So what is God? Well, if we're going to want to know who God is, then we've got to find out who can declare him unto us rightly. And there, the scripture actually gives us the clear picture of this. In John chapter 1 and verse 18, we find in the gospel, in the opening pages of this great gospel, the Bible says that no man has seen God at any time. No one has seen him except the only begotten son which is in the bosom of the father. He has declared him. Stay with me today. The Bible tells us here in John, and the gospel of John is really unlike the 
first three, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, what's known as the synoptic gospels because they all tend to favor the same storyline, pointing out the humanity of Jesus, the perfect humanity of Jesus Christ as the Lamb of God. But John, different than the others, he starts out different. He's trying to declare that Jesus is more than mere mortal. He's more than man. But he is God in the flesh. And so as he begins this opening introduction of his gospel, he says that God is the word and that God has been declared unto his, us through Jesus Christ. He has declared him unto us. Well, what has Jesus said about God? What is God? Who is God? Well, there's this conversation that unfolds at a well in Samaria we find that Jesus is speaking with a woman of perhaps ill repute in the middle of the day at the well by himself talking to this woman of Samaria. And the woman has questions. The woman wants to know who he is. The woman has questions about, well, how do you worship? <laughs> well, then Jesus proceeds to say, I know, I know that the Samaritans believe that you ought to worship in the Mount, Mount Gerizim, but, and, and, then, and then those of Judea believe that you ought to worship in Jerusalem, and there he points out the divide between the nations of Israel in the north and the nation of Judah in the south where Israel was divided. But he said, listen, I know you worship your separate places, but really the time is coming and the time is now when they will worship in spirit and in truth. And he goes on to say, God is a spirit. and They that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. So we find that God, God, who is God? What is God? God is holy. God is other. God is a spirit. Jesus had resurrected from the dead, and he had shown himself alive after his passion, according to Acts chapter 1. He has shown himself alive by many infallible proofs, being seen at one time as many by as, by as many as 500 at one time. He did this for 40 days, for 40 days. For a solid month and a week, he would show himself in different examples, in different instances that he was alive. And, and the disciples, they, they, they saw him, but they were not convinced that he had bodily resurrected. They thought they were seeing some apparition, some ghost, some spirit. And Jesus was trying to settle it in their minds that I'm not just here with you in just kind of some disembodied spirit. He said, because in Luke 24, verse 39, Look at my hands and look at my feet. It's me. Come, touch me. He tells Thomas, right? Thrust your hand into my side. Come, reach and put your fingers into the scars in my hands. He says, I want you to realize that it's me, myself. Handle me and see me. Why? Because spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see me have. What? I hope, I hope by the end of this it makes sense to someone what, what I believe that God is wanting to communicate to us today. Who is God? What is God? He is holy. He is other. Nothing is like God. You cannot compare him to anything. He's a spirit. And Jesus says a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see me have. But God has been declared to us in this last generation through Jesus Christ. What is a spirit? Spirit doesn't have flesh and bones. God is a spirit. And according to 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 17, the apostle Paul writes and includes in his letter to Timothy, his apprentice in spiritual leadership, he says, now unto the king eternal, immortal. He says he has no beginning, 
I dare say there's not a person in this room that could even comprehend, even begin to comprehend how God can be eternal. That he has no beginning. There was never a time that God did not exist. God has always existed. I know it breaks your brain, doesn't it? Everything has a beginning. Everything has an origin. We've got the book of Genesis that tells us about where things have originated from. But God, he's unlike anything else. He's holy. He's spirit. He's eternal. No beginning. Watch. And he goes on to say he's immortal, which means he cannot die. Doesn't matter how strong the enemy. Doesn't matter how big the weapon. Nobody could kill God. And then it goes on to say, furthermore, he's not only eternal and immortal, but he is invisible. He's a spirit, does not have flesh and bones. But we see that he is this holy, this other, the spirit, God, everywhere. In fact, we read it in our passage. In him we live, we, we move, we have our being. He's all around us, but we're not pantheistic in our, in our view of the Godhead. We, we don't look at a tree and say, oh, that's God, or look at the birds and say, oh, that's God. God's all around us. No, no, no. He has created those things. He has manifested them. They are the works of his hands. He has formed them and crafted them and brought them forth by his spoken word. He is holy. He is outside of that time and space, and he looks down on those things. I am holy. I am other I am spirit. I don't have flesh and bones. Stop trying to compare me. Stop trying to put me in a box and, and tell me that I'm like this and put me on a wall and make me an image and you somehow revere that image and, and think that I could worship God through this image. No, don't make those things. No matter how beautiful they might look, no matter what precious metal you might form them from, I am other. I am spirit. I'm invisible. I'm eternal. I'm immortal. There are some key attributes of God that the word declares him to be. He is omniscient, which means he knows all things. It's made up of two words, omni, which means all, and science. He has all science figured out. He is science. He has created the laws of nature and of gravity and all those things that Men have come along the way and they've discovered those laws, but God made those laws and put them into motion. He's all science. He's all knowledge. There's nothing that is hidden from his eyes. Everything is open to him. He sees through all things. There's no darkness. There's no covering. There's no depth that could hide you from him. He's omnipresent, which means he's all present. There's nowhere I could run where I could hide from his present presence. He's omnip uh, omnipotent, which means he's all powerful. In fact, it's interesting to me that we see this declared in the Old Testament emphatically. Isaiah 9, 6 then declares that unto us a child is born and a son is given. He shall be the mighty God. And then Jesus declares, I believe it's in Mark 16, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. It has been given into my hand. We're beginning to see a oneness that arises in the scriptures that what is declared in the Old Testament that God is one Lord, then we find no error or, or discrepancy in the New Testament. For in John chapter 1, verse 1, it says, In the beginning, that way back when, before you and I were ever around or even thought of, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, who always was. He's eternal, and the Word was God. 
God. It was him. It was his identity. It was the Logos. And in fact, John is using the language of the poets of the time, the Greek philosophers and the Greek mind, the Hellenistic Jews, the Jews that were influenced by Grecian philosophy and thought. They knew about the Logos. It was this philosophy. It was this thought. It was the core and the essence of creation at all time. But God, the Bible says it was God. John knew about this. He brought this into the theology of the church because he wanted even the Grecian mind to realize the glory of this God who created all things and by whom all things exist. But he doesn't leave it there. The word, the Logos, was not only God from the beginning, but in verse 14 it says, and the Logos was made flesh and it dwelt among us and we beheld or we saw the glory as of the only begotten of the Father full of grace and truth, meaning that that God who is eternal, who is other, who is holy, who is spirit, who doesn't have flesh and bones in this dispensation, in this new will and testament, God became flesh and we saw him in Jesus Christ who lived and was tempted but without sin so that he might present himself a perfect sacrifice. Jesus, you see, is the image of the invisible God. We see this in Colossians chapter 1. It says it very clearly. Who has delivered us from the power of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of his dear son, Jesus Christ? Stay with me now. In whom we have redemption through his blood, that precious blood of Jesus Christ, even the forgiveness of sins. Who is the image of the invisible God? Colossians 1.15. Who? Jesus Christ is the image, the representation, the physical, visible representation of an invisible, eternal, immortal God. This is why now it becomes clear in John chapter 14 and verse 8 when Philip, one of his disciples, says, listen, show us the Father and we would be satisfied. You're you're speaking of the Father Just show us the Father. It's kind of like my message here today. Who is God? Where is God? What is God? You're talking about God so much. Show us God. Show us the Father. And Philip, he gets this reply, perhaps that he was nowhere near expecting. Jesus looks at Philip and says, have I been with you for such a long time? I've eaten with you. I've hung out with you. I've fellowshiped with you. You saw me when I've been tired. You saw me when I've been hungry. You saw me when I've been weak. And because you have seen all the humanity, the veiled glory of the invisible God, you have not realized that I am God. When you see me, Philip, you've seen the Father. Glory to God. You see, we have this beautiful revelation of God in Jesus Christ. In fact, the last book of your Bible, probably most of your Bibles, gives this title of the last book of the Bible. We know it as the book of Revelation. But the full title that most Bibles give it is the revelation of Jesus Christ. The revelation of Jesus Christ, or simply put, the revealing of Jesus Christ. The revealing of Jesus Christ. Let me read for you from this revealing of Jesus Christ. I turn your attention to Revelation chapter 5. In Revelation chapter 5, the chapter opens with this, this heartbreaking scene that unfolds. 
John the Revelator who writes this book of Revelation, he says, I saw in the right hand of him that sat on the throne a book written within and on the backside, sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the book and to loose the seals thereof? There was no man in heaven nor in earth, neither even under the earth that was able to open or look thereon. John says, I, I wept because no man was found worthy to open and to read the book, neither to look thereon. And then one of the elders, one of the elders came and said, I could imagine he put his hand on John's shoulder. He said, weep not. Behold. Look. The lamb. The lion of the tribe of Judah. The root of David hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. And I beheld, and when I looked, lo, in the middle of the throne, and of the four beasts, and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as it had been slain, having seven horns, seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent forth into all the earth. This is showing the majesty and the beauty and the completeness. The number seven meaning complete. The completeness of God. The whole Godhead there in this one who stood in the midst like he had been slain but raised. The Bible says he came and took the book out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne. And when he had taken the book and the four beasts and four and twenty elders fell down before the, everyone say the lamb. Having every one of them harps, golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof. For thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by the precious blood of Jesus Christ out of every kindred, tongue, people, and nation. And hast made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. And John goes on. This is my favorite part. you got to get this. And I beheld... I beheld and I heard the voice of many angels all around the throne and the beasts and the elders and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000. There was thousands of thousands. There was septillion angels around the throne. And the Bible goes on to say that they were crying out with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that has was slain to receive power and riches, wisdom, strength, honor, glory, and blessing. You see this beautiful picture. It's the revelation of Jesus Christ. Turn with me to the last chapter of the same book in Revelation chapter 22. Revelation chapter 22, we find in red words, in verse 12, Behold, we hear Jesus say, I come quickly, and my reward is with me to give every man according as his work shall be for I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending. The revelation of Jesus Christ. I'm gonna be there one day. I'm gonna be there one day when all this begins to unfold. And I believe that we're even at the cusp, we're even at the, the closing hour, the 11th hour where the Lord is preparing the hosts of heaven. He's preparing all things. World powers are being placed and positioned for the end of time to come so that we might see the Lord for who he is. 
It's like Saul when he was on the road to Damascus, Brother Joe, and he was struck down from his ride, blinded by a light that was above the brightness of the sun. He said, who are you, Lord? It's what we're trying to figure out today, aren't we? Who are you? What are you? The voice came, I am Jesus. Jesus. The Lord is Jesus. I pray that there would be in us today as a result of what God wants to do in this place, a renewed reverence for the one who we follow and serve. God is holy. God is a spirit. Jesus Christ has declared him, for he is the image of the invisible God. I'm thankful that he bled, that he suffered, that he died, he was buried and rose again. I'm thankful that I have been blessed to be born again into the body of Christ, that he is the head of this body. I'm thankful that by the spirit of adoption whereby I could cry, Abba, Father, that I have a relationship with one who sticks closer than a brother. I'm thankful to know him as merciful and gracious and loving and forgiving. But lest we forget, he is God who created all things. He is the lawgiver who caused the mountain of Sinai to quake and to tremble where the people of Israel said, we can't look upon the mountain. Veil your face, Moses, when you come down for the glory of God is so thick upon you. He's the God of Elijah and Daniel. He's the God who we will all stand before at the last day, whether at the white throne judgment or the judgment seat of Christ, we will stand and every one of us will give an account. Brother Walker, as a minister of the gospel, I will have to give an account for how I have stewarded and managed the people of God and the resources and the giftings that he has given me. I will have to give an account for how I have watched over the souls of those that I have been given influence over and you will have to give an account for how you have managed your time, your talent, your treasure, your children, your home. Listen, we stand here today in this place thankful for the sacrificial lamb of God but make no mistake, he is the worthy one who stands in the midst of heaven and all the elders and beasts round about the throne cry worthy is the lamb that was slain oh it's the same one who John the revelator he fell like a dead man before the throne and said I am unworthy Jeremiah said I'm a man of unclean lips remember who we have to deal with remember who we have a relationship with he's God in the face of Jesus Christ revealed huh. It's like Thomas said, my Lord and my God. Let me close and just say this. You see, my relationship with the Lord has got to be more than just a category of my life. My walk with God is more than just something I do on the weekends. It's, it's more than just something I take out an hour and a half for in the middle of the week and I feel obligated to come to this place and hear teaching and sit through all the service. No, my relationship with God is one where I work out my own salvation and fear and trembling where I realize that I am not worthy to be called his own but he has found in his omniscience to purchase me with his precious blood and call me by his name fill me with his spirit hear me right now your walk with God is more than just something you do it's something you are 
We are children of God. Why? Why? Because we have put our faith in the name of the only begotten Son of God. We have been born of spirit and of water. We are his. We are the priests and the kings of the Lord that will reign with him through all eternity. Hear me now. If you think the book of Revelation is a fearful thing to look into, remember that one day we will walk in it. It's not something that is fictional and far off fairy tale. I'm talking about reality that we will soon be presently in we will walk in a fearful place where we stand before the throne of God or the judgment seat of Christ what will I say what will I do what reasons or excuses will I give for the lack of devotion or dedication what reasons or excuses will I give for the lack of dedication what reasons or excuses will I give for the lack of management of the resources that he has given me some have some have five talents, and some have two, and some have one. And it's really not about the amount. It's about what you do with what God has given you. He has given you gifts and abilities severally as he wills, as he desires, as he sees fit. But what will you do with what you have? Now that you know who God is, now that you have seen him in the pages of Scripture and experienced him in the beautiful experience of regeneration, what will you do with him? Will you be like Judas and exchange him for whatever might fit your fancy at any given moment that might be beneficial, you think, to you in a moment? Will you be like the Jews that favor him when you think he could rescue you from Roman rule but then cry crucify when the majority is saying the same? What will you do with this, this Jesus who is God revealed to us? What will you do? With this relationship that you have? Will you be like a city set upon a hill that cannot be hid? Will you be like a candle that burns that no reasonable person would cover or hide? Will you be like salt that hasn't lost its savor but changes everything it touches? Will you be like the saints of old that though they gave their lives for this precious revelation, will stand firm in your faith and say there is one God. His name is Jesus. If you're looking for a Savior, I found him. If you're looking for a healer, I found him. If you're looking for a protector and a provider, I found him. You're walking among the dead. You're walking among the hurting. You're walking among those living in darkness and blinded by the God of this world. And you and I have the cure. You and I have the light that breaks through the darkness and brings hope to the hopeless. Let me, let me encourage you right now. Stand strong in your faith. We, listen, we, what we are participating in, this is more than just some kind of social experiment. This is more than just some kind of coming together of people, of commonalities. No, we are coming as the family of God, as the children of God, as the church that the gates of hell cannot even prevail against. Would you stand together with me right now? <clears throat> Whether you're facing struggles in the home, at the job, at the school, in your personal life, in your mind, God knows where you're at today. But just in this simple message, I believe that God wants to remind you of who he is. Maybe we should sing that old Sunday school song again every now and again. He's got the whole 
world. In his hands, he's got the whole world. In his hands, he's got the whole world. In his hands, he's got the whole world in his hands. It's God. It's the one with whom we have to do. He's bigger. He's stronger. He knows all. It's a fearful thing, the writer of Hebrews says. It's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of God. God will humble every knee and every tongue. will confess Jesus Christ is Lord. But let the redeemed of the Lord say so. We've already bowed our knee. The rest of the world is just going to catch up to what we already discovered when the revelation of Jesus Christ comes. They're just going to realize what we've already known and been singing about all this time. This world is not my home. I'm just passing through. I've got treasures laid up somewhere beyond the blue. Listen, heaven's beckoning me. Ah, I'm going home. I'm going to heaven. Jesus is my Lord. He's my king, and he's the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. I know problems will come. I know troubles will rise. I know enemies will come against me, but I'm on the Lord's side. Is anybody else on the Lord's side today? Would you stand right now and clap your hands and shout, Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. There is one God, and I'm glad I know his name. His name is His name is Jesus. Jesus. Woo! Hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, clap your hands to the Lord. I said he's more than a celebrity. He's more than a superstar. He's more than a sports athlete. I said he's Jesus, who's God and king. He's Lord of all. No matter the king, no matter the administration, no matter the powers that be, no matter the enemies that rise against you, hear me, you're on the winning side. You're on the winning side. Listen, young people, I want you to go to school. I want you to get an education. I want you to get good grades. I want you to get a job. I want you to do well at your job. I want you to be an example to the unbelievers. But hear me right now, more than your grades, more than your education, more than the money you can make, more than the career that you build and the name you make for yourself. Make sure that you are pouring deposits into eternity that says one day I will meet the Lord in the air. One day I will stand before Jesus and give an account of my life and my words. Oh, worship him, will you? Just worship him right now. I'm done. I love you, Lord God. I worship you, Lord. I honor you, Jesus. Oh, let's just join with the heavenly host today and cry, holy, holy, holy. Let's join with the redeemed of the Lamb and cry, worthy, worthy, worthy. Let's rise above the circumstances of life today and say, I will bless the Lord at all times and his praise shall continually be in my mouth. Why? Because he's still the Lord. He's still the Lord. And as long as he's Lord, I will bless him. I will worship him. I will give my devotion to him. Oh, that's it. Lift your voices. Let's worship the Lord. Let's worship the Lord. I will trust in you with all my heart. I will not lean to my own understanding. 
but in all of my ways I will acknowledge you and you will direct my paths. Oh, hallelujah. It's all in you, Lord. It's all in you, Lord. I worship you and cry holy, holy, holy. Lord God Almighty. That's it all across this place. Whether you're a member, attender, or guest here today with us, worship the Lord. He's worthy. Come on, this is just a continuation of what we were doing earlier. Worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb. Come on, you've been questioning. You, you, you've been going back and forth and your faith and your devotion. Make a stand today. You're deserving of it all. That's it, this altar's open, but this whole place ought to be an altar today. Let's worship together. Let's worship together. He loves you. He loves you. He knows right where you are. That's it. Worship the Lord with your brothers and your sisters in Christ, with the family of God. Let's practice now what we will do then when we're round about the throne of heaven. Worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb.